We plant corn in Iowa, spray soybeans in Illinois. We pull calves in Kansas, farrow hogs in Minnesota. We raise rice in Arkansas, rye in Canada, and wheat everywhere in between. We farm millions of acres across North America and build every piece of Case IH equipment. Built by farmers, for farmers. Case IH, rethink productivity. Get the load I'm hauling Hard work, I hit it harder Ain't nothing new for a backwoods farmer Sun up to sundown Backing up traffic all the way to town Camo hat and a farmer's tan Cause I'm a working man Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track Presented by Fast Line Media Group Your innovative consumer resource And marketing partner of choice For the evolving agricultural community Now, here's your host Brent Adams. Welcome into Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Case IH from Farm Progress Show 2019 in Decatur, Illinois. On this episode, we'll talk harvest with the folks from Case IH. We'll also talk industry trends with Kim Schmidt, the executive editor of Farm Equipment Magazine. And then we'll have excerpts from a news conference with U.S. Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue. And then we'll take you to the legendary Ernest Tubb Record Shop in Nashville for music from Hawkshaw Hawkins Jr. You won't want to miss a moment of it. Let's go. Back on Fast Line, Fast Track, and I've got a special guest with me now. It's Ryan Blaziak, who's the Case IH 250 Series, Combines and Draper Heads Marketing Manager. Ryan, welcome into Fast Line, Fast Track. Right, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. And boy, looking at the calendar and driving through the countryside and looking at those fields, uh, harvest time is right upon us here. And uh, I, I know uh, in some areas it's already here. So what have you been hearing from producers about the harvesting conditions this year? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you kind of hit the nail right on the head there driving around. Um, we're seeing a lot of variability out there. And I'm sure as a producer, a lot of the producers are seeing even from field to field, town to town, um, just even within the field as well, a lot of variability just based upon, you know, when they were able to get that crop in, the weather around it. Um, so really a lot of variability. And I know that it's a hot topic for some guys right now as well. Um, but just, you know, kind of our season started back in May. Uh, with, you know, the wheat run. So we started off in Texas. We've got a big kickoff event that we always do there for the custom cutters, really to talk about safety uh, with their crews and, and kind of get them all up to speed. And really what we've seen is, is good, uh, you know, wheat yield so far. Um, you know, they're up in Montana now. Uh, they're starting to get into a little bit of the spring wheat. Uh, and then ultimately, you know, they're doing lentils and peas and things like that up there. And I know uh, harvest in and, you know, southern Alberta is starting to get away, underway hot and heavy as well with the wheat. Um, so what we're seeing is, is you know, it's a mixed bag, um, just like what producers are seeing out in their fields. Um, you know, we've been pretty fortunate on the wheat, let's say, uh, in, in those key states, you know, Kansas, Nebraska. A lot of those guys got, you know, rains when they needed them. Um, and that helped improve the, the yields a little bit there. Mm-hmm. I know where we are in Kentucky and southern Indiana, uh, we had uh, just a deluge in the spring, and then it was like the faucets got shut off uh, for a few weeks. But that wasn't the case everywhere. There's a lot of areas that have seen just a bunch uh, of rain this year. So I'm sure there's a lot of producers that are listening to this wondering just what can they do to combat the high moisture that they've seen this year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the, the first condition of harvesting or the first rule of harvesting is, is make sure that the fit is cr- ready to harvest, right? 
Um, you know, we see it every year and, and I know why producers do it as well, right? You know, they're up against the clock, especially with the season harvest windows like we're going to have this year um, where, you know, they're going to be right up against that winter season and, and they're going to be trying to make sure that they get as much crop out as possible. Uh, but ultimately, is the crop fit to harvest? Um, you know, if you still got, let's say, uh, really green stem soybeans, um, you know, it, that, that causes issues when it comes down to harvesting. Now, nothing that we can't overcome, uh, right? We're the leader in axial flow uh, rotor technology, so single rotor technology. And, and you know, we've progressed and we've uh, evolved that evolution to allow to, us to deal with those conditions better. Um, but, you know, it's just some simple things. You know, if we start looking at high moisture corn, what can producers do to, let's say, you know, uh, combat some of the things that they might see? Uh, just simple things like, you know, how is the machine configured? Um, you know, we'll start seeing guys put in, you know, round bar modules uh, and high yielding, high moisture corn in those first two positions, you know, on the left and right uh, to really allow it to, you know, uh, shell easy and ultimately without a whole lot of damage. Um, and really, it's just about how can we reduce the amount of damage. So inspecting things for wear um, is always a good preseason activity. Um, but really, when it comes down to high moisture corn, um, you know, we need to be cognizant of that. Do we have any sharp edges? Um, is our rotor speed set correctly or is it still a little too high, um, you know, to really prevent the cracks broken and damaged grain when it comes to that high moisture corn? As I go to the farm shows and some of the other ag events that I attend, I've been hearing a lot about high efficiency harvesting from Case IH. Can you talk a bit about what that means and how Case IH's AFS Harvest Command Automation is uh, helping to achieve that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and for us, the first measure is really how much grain of that are you harvesting? Um, you know, I always say you, you, you can't really market any of the grain that you leave behind the combine. Um, and that's really our first priority. So, you know, making sure that we capture as much grain as possible and put it into the grain tank of that combine. Uh, that's the first step in, in making your operation profitable. And then the next step is really looking at, okay, now that we have that grain in the grain tank, really maximizing that sample so we have the cleanest grain sample possible within that tank so we don't experience dockage or anything like that. Um, and that's really where our machine, we say high-efficiency harvest, you know, increasing productivity out there in the field. Um, you know, we've been doing that for a while, but this next evolution really has taken over with the 250 series machine. Uh, so we launched this about a year ago now at Farm Progress Show. Uh, great feedback, and it's just a further evolution within our axial flow lineup. Uh, so we do make the uh, 250 series in the class 7, 8, and 9, um, and it has a lot of the features that you know and love about the, um, you know, flagship combines, the CVT rotor drive, the CVT feeder drive, the self-leveling cleaning system, the pivoting spout, all those great features that our customers know and love. Uh, but what we've done is we've made a lot of enhancements to that. And really, it's about durability, reliability, and then productivity in the field. Um, so things, you know, um, customers have had headaches before with, uh, you know, in the feeder house area, we've done a lot of structural improvements there. We've changed the feeder top shaft design. Um, we put in a brand new transmission, got rid of the four speed, went down to the two speed, uh, and that helps us increase our tractive effort, our great ability, and then ultimately we have wider speed ranges. So we don't have to stop and shift as much. A um, lot of great features there within the base machine, but some of the biggest uh, enhancements we've seen for productivity and efficiency in the field has been with our technology and the machines. Uh, and a lot of this comes down to 
uh, AFS Harvest Command and Feed Rate Control, which are new on the 250 Series machines. And I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this say that that sounds great. And I know we talk a lot about uh, just how intuitive is the technology. So I'm sure people listening to this are wondering, how can AFS Harvest Command help simplify my harvest? Absolutely. And and it all comes down to, you know, if we look at this year and harvest, we're going to see variability in the field. And it's how quick we can respond to that, uh, you know, based upon our settings. That way we're not losing grain on the ground or we're not, uh, you know, getting a dirty grain tank sample. It's really trying to maximize that. And how do we do that? There's a couple different things. But first would be is um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of step it up here. So uh, we have feed rate control which is it's all new it's redesigned um you know we, we've had it before uh, but it's much better logic now and it's supported for more crop types and what feed rate control really is is it's like cruise control in my car for my combine so it looks at the available power for crop processing and it controls your forward ground speed based upon that um, and it takes into account things like losses but it's just controlling the forward ground speed to make sure that the machine is really staying full and at capacity um, and then if we step up one level, then we talk about AFS Harvest Command. And this can be used in conjunction with feed rate control. It can be used standalone. Uh, so you don't have to tie the two in together. Um, but when you take AFS Harvest Command, our automation system, you automatically get feed rate control, which is nice. And what we're doing with AFS Harvest Command is we're using uh, 16 different sensors to make seven adjustments on the combine. So we're adjusting forward ground speed, rotor speed, fan speed, upper sieve, pre-sieve, lower sieve, and then cage vane angle position. And that is something new that we added to the 250 series is I can either take the option to control my veins from in the cab, or you can still manually adjust them, but you adjust them as a gang from on the ground with a turnbuckle. Um, so, you know, we've had adjustable veins for years, uh, but they were a little bit cumbersome and a little bit hard to get to. And what we're seeing now is huge uh, performance increases with our machine just by allowing that crop to either uh, exit the rotor more freely or quicker or spend some more time in there if we need extra threshing and separation uh, abilities. So one of the uh, products that's turning heads as we get into harvest season here is the Case IH3100 series draper head. What can you tell us about it? Yeah, um, so just I'm going to go back on the, the AFS Harvest Command point real quick. I know there's I mean, maybe missed a question that you asked me. How easy and how intuitive it is to set up? Mm-hmm. Uh, super easy. Uh, really, we just have to define four things. So max ground speed, my crop type. So it's supported for corn, beans, wheat, and canola. Uh, we're coming out with algorithms for future supported crop types. Um, but we've seen it work in other things too. So peas, you know, lentils. Uh, you know, our logic is smart enough where, you know, even though it's not an officially supported crop, we're seeing it work. Um, so then that max ground speed, max engine load, and then you select your strategy. So we have four different strategies, uh, performance, grain quality, max throughput, and fixed throughput. And this just depends on what uh, quality you want to prioritize. Do you want to prioritize grain quality? Do you want to prioritize your throughput? Or do you want it to be a balance? So really after I set those four, and as soon as you turn the automation switch on, automation's engaged, and it takes over from there. So really, it takes a lot of that headache, uh, a lot of the, you know, jockeying around with the controls based upon the conditions, the weather, uh, really takes that guessing game out of the producer's uh, mind, and they can focus on, you know, having a safe, clean harvest, and ultimately, you know, doing the best that they can to capture as most, most grain and adjust the uh, 
conditions that they'll see on a year like this year. Okay. So as we head into harvest season, Case IH has a product that's turning heads here. It's the 3100 series Draper head. So what can you tell us about this thing? Yeah, absolutely. So we've had the 3100 series Draper head uh, around since, you know, basically 2014 now. Um, and, and we've had some, you know, when you're innovative, right, you always have uh, issues that the competition doesn't have. And one thing that we did on our Draper head different than the competition was that we were the first ones to innovate and drive it from the center section. Um, and that came up with some startup issues. Uh, we're over those now. Um, but if you look at the way that the competition is going, you see more and more uh, Draper heads driven from the center. So we were an innovator there. Uh, like I said, we had some, some issues, startup issues. Um, but now we've, we've got over those. Uh, and what we're actually showing at the fall shows this year is our Series 2 Draper head. So the kind of you know, notate that, uh, you know, this, we have a lot of new updates. So, you know, we've had over 180 updates to this head since we've launched and it's completely a new head. Um, and so we've got some exciting features this year. Uh, the airbag suspension uh, is one of them under the center section. So the customer can easily change that based upon the flotation required. Um, we've done a lot of durability, reliability improvements. Um, you know, our plant that this is produced in just got uh, world-class manufacturing certified. So, uh, the plant quality um, is certainly improved significantly as well there. So really doing a lot of things there um, to, to drive this and really show the Case IH Draper head advantage. And one thing that we have is a truly flexible cutter bar that allows us to hug that ground and shave that ground. So it really allows for us to go through and, and make sure that, you know, on years like this, whether it be short beans, um, to, to make sure that we're really capturing all that grain within the machine because if it doesn't go into the combine, you know, it's not going to end up in the grain tank. Um, so really just trying to match, you know, the capacity of the axial flow combines uh, with the 3100 series Draper heads. And we've got some, you know, industry-leading uh, features on this as well. So we have the in-cab deployable slow-speed transport option. So you don't even have to leave the cab, and you can put down the transport wheels, uh, and then all you have to do is get out, hook up the hitch, and hook it up to the combine pickup truck, and you're ready to go from field to field. Um, so we've done a lot of great things there, and, and even things like um, the center knife drive, right? Uh, we, mi we minimize vibration now because we have canceling forces from the center knife drive in the center section. And what this also gives us is two times the cutting force of a dual wobble box and, single, uh, and three times the cutting force as a single wobble box. So really allowing us to go out there and have better performance in the field um, and, you know, tough conditions, uh, that's where we excel. So if folks listening to this want more information on the new Draper heads or AFS Soil Command, where can they go to check that out? Absolutely. So uh, whether it be the new Draper head, any of the Case IH harvesting products, so the 250 series AFS Harvest Command, um, we've got some exciting videos out there. So on YouTube, if you just type in AFS Harvest Command, uh, one thing you'll actually see is a video of the logic of how it works. Um, so, okay, we get into this condition, it's going to increase my fan speed. It's going to open up my sigs, maybe slow down. So as a, you know, as a, as a producer out there, you know, most producers that I've interacted with have a very technical thinking mind, and this allows them to understand what the system does and how it thinks before they purchase it. Uh, and then obviously um, talk to your case IH dealer, uh, your local case IH dealer. Um, you know, even if, if they have a demo machine out there running, get to see what the 250 series can do for you on your operation. And uh, then obviously caseih.com. 
Well, make sure if you're around those farm shows this uh, fall, you go check out the folks at Case IH. If you can't make it, get to CaseIH.com. And Ryan Blazek, we appreciate you taking the time to join us on Fast Line Fast Track. Absolutely. Thanks, Brent, for the opportunity. Back on Fast Line Fast Track, we've got a special guest with us here. It's Kim Schmidt, who's the executive editor of Farm Equipment Magazine. And Kim, uh, thank you for taking the time to join us here live at Farm Progress Show 2019. No problem. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So for anybody that doesn't know, Farm Equipment Magazine uh, reaches dealers who uh, just uh, need that information to be able to serve their customers better. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, what you guys do and uh, how, how you're doing it better. Yeah, no problem. So um, Farm Equipment Magazine uh, is obviously the print magazine that goes to uh, farm equipment dealers across North America. Um and our goal is to help dealers do business better. So we're, you know, providing them best practice tips, um, profiling dealers to learn from each other. Um, but in addition to the print magazine, you know, we've got a, a website we're providing daily news for the dealers on. Um, we're doing podcasts also. Um, so we have a, a remarketing-focused podcast and then also um, a podcast called Our Dealer Story that just kind of goes through some more of the unique history of different dealerships across, across the country. Um, we're doing webinars to help educate the dealers on different aspects of the business. So, um, yeah, we got all kinds of stuff to uh, help them help them do business better. And, and it's all really helpful stuff. In, in this day and age, uh, wh- whether you're working in the field or you're a dealer, uh, the name of the game is data, and that's one thing that you guys do really well. Yeah, that that is that is true. We um, we're always looking to find different ways to get get data to help the dealers. Um, we're getting ready to do um, our annual business outlook and trends report which um, dealers will be getting a survey from us soon and it's a great just benchmark for the industry to see um, kind of where the industry is headed for the year ahead um, we review how how this past year went um, and kind of look at benchmarking it against the previous year the previous you know five-year average things like that in this day and age that's really important you know as it's been well chronicled there's many challenges in this industry and not only that it's a very crowded industry with many manufacturers many players all trying to get a piece of that pie so uh, to get that intel that could help you have a leg up on your con- uh, competition is, is vital yeah yeah and it's just you know making sure we're we're doing what we need to do for you know things are going to turn around and when things turn around dealers have to be ready to to pick up you know and keep doing business um so we're working working with them to make sure that they're they're ready for when that happens so yeah so from where you sit and, and all the information you receive both uh, uh from the data and anecdotally where are we in the industry uh, i mean in terms of uh uh you know the strength of of dealers it, uh, sales um yeah, I know we, we, we hear about the challenges, but is it as bad or better than, than, than we hear, or what are you seeing? You know, from, from the people I'm talking to, you know, we're obviously, you know, things are down, um, but it seems like this, this replacement demand is real. It's a real thing. Um, you know, people are needing to buy stuff now because they haven't for so long. You know, we're in year five or something of, of the downturn, so um, people are ready to... To, to keep doing business. Um, there's definitely, I've heard, you know, from, from some dealers that, you know, tillage equipment is something that there's, there's seeing an uptick in. So uh, people are, people are buying stuff and, or are going to be buying stuff very soon. And, you know, there's so much unknown out there though, that it's kind of when that's going to happen, you know, trade changes every five minutes, it yeah. seems like. So 
Um, weather's been crazy this year, so it's, um, you know, it's, it's sort of hard to say when that's going to happen, but everyone I've talked to said it's, you know, we're getting close, they think, yeah. but it's, it's hard to say for sure. Well, you do a great job, and your publication does a great job, and I would uh, encourage people to check it out if they want to uh, go online and see what you're doing. Where can they go? They can check us out at uh, farm-equipment.com. Um, we're on Facebook at Farm Equipment and Twitter at FE Editors. Uh-huh. And as far as the podcast, where can they go to, to listen to those? Um, it is You can get to it through the Farm Equipment website. That's probably the easiest way, mm-hmm. but um, it's on SoundCloud. It's on Spotify. It's on the Apple Podcast Channel, Google Play pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast okay it's there well definitely if uh, you want to know what's going on with trends in farm equipment some of the data that goes behind that go check out farm equipment magazine and their socials and their website Uh, just incredible stuff incredible wealth of information and uh, kim schmidt we really appreciate you taking the time to join us on fast line fast track yeah it was great being here fun being on the other side we plant corn in iowa spray soybeans in illinois We pull calves in Kansas, farrow hogs in Minnesota. We raise rice in Arkansas, rye in Canada, and wheat everywhere in between. We We farm farm millions of acres across across North North America America and build every piece of Case IH equipment. Built by farmers for farmers. Case IH. Rethink productivity. Here at the Farm Progress Show, we had the chance this week to catch up with U.S. Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue, who held a news conference to answer questions from the media about pressing ag issues. He began by addressing the trade agreement in principle reached last week between President Trump and Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. Uh, I think it's going to be essentially complete. Uh, there may be a few sectors or industries that don't feel like they got back to the uh, to the finish line on that, but for the most part, I think it's going to be uh, uh, equal and not better, and I think certainly our livestock uh, group will feel good, and uh, wheat and others, but uh, we, uh, we think it'll be a well-received agreement. Purdue was then asked when more details about the agreement may become available. I think, again, uh, these are the, the, the type of announcements on the details, USTR. Um, when you have an agreement in principle, I think they want to finish more of the details specifically. In fact, we're still getting additional things there, even as late as yesterday, that, uh, that enhance the agreement. So uh, I'd rather get a, a really good one than a quick one. So uh, uh, that's what's happening. It'll be up to the USTR when they finish, feel its deal is finished, and the president can announce the details of that. The secretary then was asked if he thought the safety net programs provided in the Farm Bill signed at the end of 2018 would be enough to provide assistance for farmers struggling through the challenging farm economy. Well, that combined with the market facilitation program uh, as well as the uh, market access program, we're, we spent $200 million last year and going to be appropriating $100 million this year of that $16 billion to continue to expand our markets with our cooperators across the world. Uh, that and taking off a billion two more product into there into the people who need the food, all those things combined. Uh, we never uh, thought that it would make people whole, but uh, I hope it will make people survive in order to do it again. And farmers are kind of used to that. They're good years and they're not so good years. And I'm hoping that uh, we can uh, uh, facilitate people and their lenders being able to farm again. 
Purdue then was asked if he ever became frustrated with the trade battles President Trump has waged against key trade partners. No, it's not frustrating. He's a very dynamic leader, and uh, he knows where he wants to go. I think the essence of a good leader is someone who is forceful, dynamic, and directional, and knows what they want to do, but always keeps a little back door open for other opinions, and that's what I found him to be. Uh, if I continue to speak up and to uh, talk to him about it and give him the facts there, He's a business guy that understands that uh, sometimes he may need to change his mind, and that's, that's what happens. The secretary then provided a status report on the relocation of the USDA's Economic Research Service and National Institute of Food and Agriculture to Kansas City, which would mean as many as 550 jobs for the Kansas City economy and a major projected cost savings to the federal government. We don't know that we'll uh, fill all 550. Obviously, our goal was to be for many people to come with us as would. And that invitation is still there. We won't know that until September the 30th. We again have delayed some of that because of critical functional issues uh, to give people some opportunity to longer to make that decision uh, in that way and getting some of the business out from NIFA and the grants and the awards done. I'm confident it will get done. GSA is in the midst of taking bids for the best space in Kansas City uh, metro area right now. And we think it'll be a, a good opportunity there. We think all the right reasons that made us begin to look at that, we think are still valid and still there. I'm hoping that more and more people that are currently employed with NIFA and ERS will make the decision to come with us to provide uh, that stability that we would love to have going forward. We are advertising and have onboarded some people out there already. Some of the current ERS and NIFA people have moved prematurely there and we're providing that space in the Beacon Center for them. So we expect uh, business to carry on. We, uh, we don't want to fumble the ball and uh, I don't have any idea, I don't have any expectation at this point about any other agencies that would be relocated. Purdue then was asked about economic concerns he has heard from farmers. He also was asked if he was worried about politics further delaying the proposed USMCA trade deal with Canada and Mexico. Regarding the concerns, anytime there's economic stress in the ag community or any economic sector, uh, there's anxiety, there's, uh, there's emotional distress. It, it affects families, it affects uh, communities. Uh, you don't buy those pickups and equipment and uh, go to the store like you would in small rural towns like you would ordinarily, but that's to be expected. Farmers have gone through those kind of periods before, and I would, I would submit to you that uh, these kind of economic challenges started long before there was any sort of trade disruption that happened. Uh, you know that it was not easy in farming prior to, uh, prior to 17 and when any kind of discussions with China happened. They were just making it making it by then. So uh, we hope that will recover uh, very quickly when we get trade reestablished and, and people have a good uh, exercise. The last part of your question? Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. I think the speaker's really pretty, uh, I think she's trying to play it fair and square by giving her caucus enough opportunity to ask the questions that their constituents may have over some of the enforceability issues and for some of the points they want to make. I think Ambassador Lighthizer is doing a very good, patient job in trying to deal with them uprightly, fairly, transparently about what things can be tweaked and what cannot be tweaked. And I'm hoping she will uh, come to the conclusion that her caucus is ready to vote on that sooner rather than later. Uh, from what I hear about her members out as I visit districts across the country, uh, many of her members are supportive. They just don't want to get out in front of her, and I understand that.
I then had the opportunity to ask the secretary about his takeaways from meetings with farmers and business operators at the Farm Progress Show. Yeah, I think, again, uh, anytime you're in economic stress and duress, there's, a, uh, there's kind of a pall that goes over. But I, I just have to tell you, I don't know of any sector in the economy that is resilient as agriculture. And it's kind of a way of life in, in the fact that we like to make money, uh, but occasionally we know that the corn, the corn doesn't come up and get rained out and we get prevented planting and those kind of things. These are people that just keep on keeping on. And uh, while, and I'm amazed by their persistence and resilience and their patience and their patriotism, honestly. It's a, it's a real tribute to the American spirit. I think that is absolutely what President Trump senses about the American farmer rancher is that they are the essence of the American spirit that built this country. And I think that's why he, uh, he has a fondness and affection for him. I think that's why he feels capable of pursuing the deal with China, because he knows that these folks are long-term players and they, uh, they don't like cheaters. Purdue also was asked if he believed a farmer's support for President Trump's handling of trade talks with China has waned as the trade war goes on. What I really find is the media trying to go out and discover that one person or two people that don't like it and focus their media uh, 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 discussions and, uh, uh, and reports on those. What I find, yes, is that is it waning? Are people anxious still? Are people hopeful and ready for a solution? Absolutely. But I don't know that I would use the word waning. I think, again, farmers are honest people. Uh, they deal, They want to deal with people who are honest, and for the most part, thank you very much, for the most part, I think uh, they realize that China, not just in the last little bit, for a long time, has built their economy on the back of American innovation and creativity and, and, and entrepreneurship, and has stolen technology, has used that to build their economy, their military, and their, their goal of world dominance. And that's what President Trump has thrown the flag and said, you know, we're not going to allow that to happen. And I think farmers understand that. Farmers are long-term players. You don't just get into farming for this next season. There's nobody in and out of farming. It's a, it's a decision you make for the long term, and I think they, they understand that. Are they, are they anxious? Absolutely. It's not fun to be under economic distress, so there's no doubt there. But I don't think what the media is trying to make out is that farmers are leaving President Trump and his decisions is not accurate whatsoever. I think he would love to close the deal, but that all is in China's court. Uh, we were very close in April, if you remember. We were actually probably 90% toward what would be a very good deal there. Uh, it was China who backtracked and reneged on some of the commitments they made. Apparently, President Xi didn't have his hardliners in as much control as he thought he did. And uh, when they realized where we were headed, uh, then they pulled him back from that. They have their political divisions over there just like we do here. And while he's, I guess, a leader for life, he has still to answer to the uh, Politburo or the uh, whatever that group in China is called and, uh, and answer that. But I, I think uh, President D Trump is ready to make a deal whenever China comes to the table and decides they want to make a deal. Uh, He's the one that thinks if their goal is to wait him out, I think they got a long time to wait. And be sure to subscribe to Fastline Fast Track as we try to check in periodically with the secretary to get the latest updates from his office. Back on Fastline Fast Track at the Ernest Tubb Record Shop, 417 Broadway in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. And we've got a really special guest here. 
Hawkshaw Hawkins Jr. Hawk, hey, thank man. you for braving the Nashville traffic to come down oh, and see it's us. It's horrible out there, man. Boy, this traffic around here, it's changed a lot in your days around here. Isn't Welcome it? to Nashville. Yes, sir, it has, especially this area right here. Man, so for, for those of you who don't know, uh, Hawk is the, uh, uh, the son of Gene Shepard and late Hawkshaw Hawkins, who passed away in 1963 and the same plane crash that took the lives of Patsy Cline and Cowboy Copas. He's written more than 500 songs. He's a bona fide songwriting machine in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, uh, he's written songs for Hank Williams Jr., Johnny Lee, Ronnie McDowell, among many others. And he's played with a lot of the greats, Bill Anderson, Roy Clark, Jack Green, Charlie Leuven, the Marshall Tucker Band, and so many more. So, Hawk, man. Don't, I don't say I played with Marshall Tucker. Uh, I opened a little show up in uh, yeah, a yeah, casino yeah. with him. But, yeah, that was a highlight, man. I got to sit backstage and eat finger sandwiches and uh-huh. eat grapes and uh, little Crown Royal. <laughs> but it was a good time. It was a good show. So, uh, with the... With your father being gone, but your mother being uh, just a, a country music legend, you, you grew up around this stuff. Was there any question as to what you wanted to do with your life? Well, there was. Back when I was about 15, I wanted to be uh, Eddie Van Halen. There you go. So I got me a real big, nice electric guitar and really thought I was somebody uh-huh. until I heard Merle Haggard. Uh-huh. And uh, and I was, I was probably 20, 21 years old before I realized that I... I was a lot better at doing what Mama and Daddy did than what I was trying to do. So I um, uh-huh. met my good buddy Aaron Boswell, and uh, he he's my biggest influence as a writer. Me and him's written probably 120, 130 songs together, and uh, he was a big inspiration to me as far as writing. Uh-huh. So once you got into it, was it uh, as easy as you thought it would be, harder than you thought it would be? Well, sometimes it's harder because you'll, you'll write songs that'll be there 20 years later that, are, that go undone. I do have my friend Aaron Boswell with me here today. Um, just wanted to throw him a shout out there. Uh-huh. Um, but there's the ones that linger for 20 years and then you finish them. But there's the ones that come out, you know, in 20 minutes. Yeah. That um, and um, I mean, you can usually tell. I, I call them turd songs. Uh-huh. You know, you can uh-huh. usually tell if that was just going to go into the catalog and not get anything done with. Uh-huh. But uh, most of the time, you can tell the special ones. Yeah, and uh, those are the ones that you try to keep pushing. So, what do you got on the plate these days? Oh my God, we just did a uh, an album of uh, five of us songwriters from a uh, Hendersonville, Tennessee. Me, Aaron Boswell included. Um, for a company called Nastic. They, um, they're a marketing firm for truck drivers of America. Oh, nice. The name of the company is Nastic. And this is um, the second year that they've put out an annual album on us at their convention oh, here nice. in Nashville. And uh, they sell them in truck stops of America. And uh, done real well last year, so we're doing it again this year. And I think we're going to be doing it for many years to come. Also, I was lucky enough to get a, a little record deal um, Sponsored by Springer Mountain Farms Chicken. Nice. And um, the owner, Gus Airedale, was nice enough to to get me a little record deal going and uh, finished the album last week and uh, sent him a copy of it this past Monday. Uh, So we're looking for um, next will be photo shoots and manufacturing, and uh, that ought to be exciting. So if people want to know more about your music and what you got going on, where can they go? Well, um, it will be on Amazon. It'll be, um, you can go to my web page hawkshaw hawkins jr or i say it's my facebook page we can sell them through there for via paypal um, um my email is hawkshaw hawkins jr 4863 at 
uh, gmail.com. Don't be sending me crazy pictures. Just uh, no, 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 no crazy pictures. But y'all look me up. I can get it done for you. Yes, we will have an outlet for it. I just don't have it set up yet. Excellent. So, uh, uh, did you come prepared to uh, place a couple today? Well, I reckon I can play you one there. Excellent. I'll play you one. Up. Wrote with my buddy Aaron here. Beautiful. So we'll go ahead and get these mic'd up. But, but Hawkshaw Hawkins Jr., thank you so much oh, for taking the time you. to thank join us. Thank you guys so much for having me. And we'll check back in with you later on, but uh, we'll, we'll hear from you now. There's a drive-in movie, a carry-out cafe, a western auto, and a five-and-dime. A run-down barn on a grown-up farm. Sea Rock City painted on the side. It's a sleepy little town that time forgot Somewhere in the middle of nowhere If you're ever in a hurry then you better not stop Cause people like to live a little slow there Every fifth Sunday they gather at the river For an all-day preaching and dinner on the ground Sinner hits the water, can hear the preacher holler Sinner, be saved or you're gonna drown In a sleepy little town that time forgot Somewhere in the middle of nowhere If you're ever in a hurry then you better not stop Cause people like to live a little slow there Oh, Willie Booker must have got to Tucker's daughter There's gonna be a wedding in the courthouse square Miller's Feed and Seed Store, raise the price of sweet corn. That's the latest news from the barber's chair. In a sleepy little town that time forgot, somewhere in the middle of nowhere. If you're ever in a hurry, then you better not stop, cause people like to live a little slow there. They still hit their knees in prayer, still raise the flag each day. Father, time ain't passed through there, taking things like that away. Oh, it's a sleepy little town that time forgot, somewhere in the middle of nowhere. If you're ever in a hurry, then you better not stop. Cause people like to live a little slow there And people like to live a little slow there Mama was a teacher, daddy was a preacher, me and brother worked the farm. Daddy ruled the roost with an iron fist, mama prayed we'd be safe from harm. The sister, she was twisted, I was drinking two fists, so she couldn't hold a candle to me. I'm the wildest branch on the family tree. I might bend, but I wouldn't be broken, stood up against the strongest wind. Almost put my mama in the ground with the trouble I was getting in. I was crooked to the level when I danced with the devil. I was always the one to lead. And the wildest branch on the family tree. 
Uncle Billy, they said he was really known to be hell on wheels. Rode with the outlaws, couldn't be outfought, had his own moonshine still. Ain't Mary Jane said he was insane, but she told me that I had him beat. I'm the wildest branch on the family tree. I might bend, but I wouldn't be broken. Stood up against the strongest winds. I almost put my mama in the ground with the trouble I was getting in. I was crooked to the level when I danced with the devil. I was always the one to lead. And the wildest branch on the family tree. It's a true story. Um, we met this guy that come up here from Tex Texas, and he had shot a guy. And um, he didn't really tell us that. yeah, well, yeah, he did. Told me that. Well, that's where I think that's where this song came from. But well, but he got him a house up here, and then about six months later, he was gone. Him and his wife. Just left. Yeah. So when me and Aaron got together, and we wrote this thing. I shot that bad boy down in that dirty Texas town With a sheriff and his hound dogs on my trail I ditched that 44 in that old Red River Gorge With my headlight pointed straight out of hell Just me and my Harley and my old guitar Knowing I was only buying time Doing 90 miles an hour Up 20, 30, 40 Till I saw that Nashville city limit sign I left Texas on a bad deal So I headed up to Nashville Starting over ain't no big thrill, but I found a new deal up in Nashville. I went down to Broadway to Tootsie's Orchid Lounge, where the band played all those big star sing-alongs. And I saw those neon angels And that pretty fiddle player Played her fiddle like an angel Sings a song She looked at me, I looked at her Next thing you know We were locked down at the Drake Room 109 She started telling me about her ex And how that she expected him to track her down just any time. I left Texas on a bad deal, so I headed up to Nashville. Starting over ain't no big thrill, but I found a new deal up in Nashville. 
4 a.m. the door kicks in a barrel pointed to my chin. Took that gun and fed it back to him. I pulled that trigger upside down and shot that bastard to the ground and ran out the door with my guitar in my hand. Now APB on country me from Texas now to Tennessee. Where I go from here, I cannot say. But that Nashville night had a touch of class. Now I'm on my Harley hauling asphalt, headed anywhere out of this place. I left Texas on a bad deal, so I headed up to Nashville. Starting over ain't no big thrill, but I found a new deal up in Nashville. I left Texas on a bad deal. Now I'm headed for the border via Nashville. And those were the sounds of Hawkshaw Hawkins Jr. We want to thank Hawk for his performance in the Ernest Tubb Record Shop. And we also want to thank our presenting sponsor, Case IH, built by farmers for farmers. And remember, harvest season's upon us. If you're in the market for equipment, make your first stop, fastline.com. Check out the price comparison tool with the Iron Average, powered by Iron Solutions. Be sure to subscribe to Fastline Fast Track at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and the iHeartRadio app. Also, be sure to add our Spotify playlist to your library for music from past, current, and upcoming guests of the show. Until next time, it's Brent Adams saying y'all come back and bring along a friend. You've been listening to Fastline Fast Track, presented by Fastline Media Group. To learn more about Fastline's customer-focused marketing solutions, visit FastlineMediaGroup.com and check out our brand website. Fastline.com, BigAg.com, and PinkTractor.com. If you have topic suggestions for future podcasts, drop us a line at Brent.Adams at Fastline.com. Something like that.